Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I hope you're having a very wonderful um, weekend and that your week ahead looks pretty good. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net. You can catch my weekly radio sh- uh, segments on BJSHA's Geek Nation on KSW.com. It's on their page on radio.com and simulcast on our website. We appear in 12 newspapers in the Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, and you can see our reviews. And, of course, we have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. And uh, we cover all things from movies, games, hardware, television, pop culture, conventions, entertainment, and more. And uh, we have our full crew today. So we have Justin and Michael and Joseph with us today. And we've got some great things to discuss, including the brand new Godzilla vs. Kong trailer. It just dropped a lot of movie news this week. And before we get to that, I wanted to mention a couple games and some hardware really quick. Uh, first off, for those people who were fortunate enough to have a video card that features ray tracing, you do want to check out the game Ghost Runner. This is a cyberpunkish, Blade Runner-y looking um, parkour game. It's quite challenging. I recommend if you play it on a PC, make sure you have a controller, because for me, mouse and keyboard didn't work. But essentially, you play this... Uh, enhanced person who can wall walk, jump, run, and has to take out bad guys with his sword. For me, the challenge is, of course, when you're in the air and they're shooting at you, this is not a, oh, I can take multiple hits. It's you get hit, you're done. And for me, it's a bit tricky when you're jumping back and forth between walls trying to make sure you do your jump. Also, dodging incoming fire makes it tough, but it looks absolutely fantastic. Another game out is Project Wingman, and this is a very interesting uh, deviation on the um, airplane combat simulator in that it's set in the near future. So you still have your jets, you still go out with your guns, your missiles, your squadron, take on the bad guys. But what's really interesting about it is that it's got a very detailed cockpit. And one of the things that I had to get used to with all the customization and controls, I thought I had my joystick all set up and all it was doing was uh, handling the free look, which made the first time we got into combat really interesting because I had to try to adjust the controls on the fly. But once I did, it was a lot of fun and well worth checking out. Now, part of this whole thing about the new hardware is uh, upgrading when you upgrade. And that was exactly the case. I was able to get a hold of a 3070 graphics card from EVGA, but it was too large for my current case by about uh, half an inch or so. So fortunately, the new Be Quiet BG039 silent base case had arrived for me to check out. And that was a perfect case for the card. It fit very well. It's extremely quiet, as you would expect with a name like that. There was plenty of space in it. One thing that was interesting, though, was it did not have a space for a uh, disk drive. So basically, I went without a, a CD, DVD uh, drive. I'll use an external one if I need to. But it was very well set up for SSD. So we put a new SSD drive in it, kept uh, a couple of the old hard drives as a backup. And there's still tons of space in there. So that was really, really impressive. I enjoyed that. Um, There's also, for those that are into liquid cooling, the BW008 from Be Quiet, which is a 360-millimeter all-in-one water cooling system. 
which is very helpful because those new cards are very big and obviously you want to make sure that you keep them cool. So two other pieces of hardware I wanted to mention. One of them, uh, these come from CES, is Enova, and they have something called the Mundus Pro. And what this is, is a UV disinfecting case. It's about $120. And what you can do is you can put your phones in it, and in an eight-minute cycle, it will disinfect with UV light your phones and kills 99.99% of the germs. Now, what's cool about this is not only is it safe for your phones, you can put in all your electronics. So you can put in smartwatches, you can put in regular watches, you can put in your jewelry, so on and so forth. As an added bonus, you can plug in a USB device in the back and use that to charge, or you can set two devices on top of the case, and it is QI certified for fast uh, charging as well. So this is something we're really looking forward to when we travel because not only will it allow us to charge uh, two phones and a device on it, we can disinfect things. So very nice thing. Want to check that out. The final thing is another thing we're looking forward to uh, trying out when we travel. And this is the M2 translator earbuds. Now, uh, essentially what you do is you put these in your ear and they provide real-time translation in multiple languages. So really curious when we're able to cruise again, being able to go down to, uh, I, I thought a cruise ship would be ideal because not only are we going to a foreign port, you have a mix of languages spoken on it. And while the crew all speaks English, you will occasionally hear people talking to their fellow countrymates in uh, native language or, for example, uh, someone from Croatia may have a guest who comes from Croatia. They will converse in the native language. So I think that'd be something really cool to be able to try out. Okay, guys, so big news. About less than an hour ago, the new trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong finally dropped. I had thought they might hold it uh, for the first football game this afternoon, but they did not. They dropped it online. And let's go up and down the line. I know, uh, Justin, you have been jumping at the bit over this movie for a while. What did you think? Yeah, so uh, I've been a pretty big fan of the MonsterVerse, as it's called, uh, from Legendary Studios, uh, starting with Godzilla 2014. Uh, it was, you know, even though um, King of the Monsters kind of got some mixed reviews, I, I was a fan of it just because uh, I, growing up, I was a huge Godzilla fan, and, you know, that movie had a lot of. A lot of fan service for people like me so um you know i i've been looking forward to this one as well uh obviously uh godzilla vs kong was more of an american um kind of take uh much more popular here than obviously overseas um and uh you know it, it still has like some cultural relevance um you know even even to this day uh the, the original movie that is so um this is kind of an interesting um, title just because the the Kong Skull Island movie that came out a few years ago, you know, also a very, very good movie, pretty well received. Um, it's also part of the MonsterVerse that kind of sets this up. And uh, we're kind of getting, you know, one of those movies where you have like two kind of hero characters that are going at it. So that's kind of seems to be what they're um, banking the, the marketing on is like, who are you going to root for? Um, kind of deal like I, I think they're kind of trying to seed this kind of 
oh, we don't know who's going to win because they're both kind of heroes um, kind of deal. Uh, obviously, you know, if, if I had to speculate, my guess is that something's going to happen in the movie where they're both going to end up having to team up. Um, that's just how these kind of go always. So my guess is that something like that's going to happen and it's going to be probably inconclusive. Uh, but it looks good. You know, um, the trailer w- was good. Uh, I guess if I had like some minor nitpicks, like it does seem like they they're kind of inconsistent as to the size of these creatures. So, you know, in one shot, like they're, you know, both on, on the deck of an aircraft carrier. And then like in a different shot, they're, you know, towering over skyscrapers. And it's like, uh, so, sometimes that's a little hard to reconcile, uh, like the, the actual size, unless that aircraft carrier is just absolutely ginormous. Uh, but you know, it, that's just kind of a minor nitpick, I guess. And I can, I can overlook that, but overall it looks good. You know, I, I thought the trailer, um, looks pretty good. It looks like it's got good action, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, Joseph, your take, please. You know, um, I always liked the the Godzilla movies over the King Kong movies. Um, so I really want to see Mecha Godzilla or Space Godzilla in there. But no, um, I, I agree. There are some discrepancies with the trailer that might be explained in the movie i don't know how they would explain that much of a size difference unless they're taking the same pill that alice took in alice in wonderland or not pill whatever she ate um but i think it looks good i think it's going to also introduce a whole new generation to some of the more traditional um tropes of godzilla for example like i sent the trailer off to somebody this morning and their response back was when did godzilla get a laser beam (laughs) (laughs) And it's because most of them are used to either the Marvel version or even the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla who depict him with fire breath. But, you know, the traditional is the atomic breath, but it became that kind of that the blue beam uh, in 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 more recent movies and everything. So I think it's going to introduce a lot of that. It'll be interesting if we go down the route of they're going to have to team up because, like, how do you portray something like that? Um in terms of uh, main characters or that don't necessarily speak. <laughs> so I, I think they'll get creative, but it, it, it looks really good. And I can't wait to, it looks like a dumb action movie, which I think is kind of what we need right now. And yeah. so I think it's, it's going to be well-received, honestly. And Michael, your take, please. Uh, yeah. I mean, you guys have pretty much covered all the, the points and I, I agree. I, you know, there's a couple of things that I'm always when I'm looking at these things saying, you know, how is it that King Kong's club or whatever he had was able to absorb the uh, Godzilla's atomic breath, you know, in, in the trailer? You know, I'm assuming there's going to be some far out um, description for that. The other thing I thought was interesting, and maybe this was just my take on the trailer as a whole, but it, it, it very much see and and we saw this even with with traditional Godzilla movies, right? One one movie he's a good guy, one movie he's a bad guy, and in this one it was kind of like, oh, King Kong's the good guy, um, and Godzilla's the bad guy, and and you know, and it kind of flip flops. And again, that's pretty traditional with the Godzilla movies, right? I mean, one point he's oh, he's saving Japan, and the next one he's destroying Japan. Um, and again, like you guys were mentioning about things like the size comparison, the aircraft carrier stuff, I understand why they did that. You know, obviously, I think they did all that stuff to kind of say, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they fought on an aircraft carrier? 
not understanding that the size there is kind of inconsistent with what that would be. Unless, again, maybe it's some super mega quadruple-sized aircraft carrier that's been in development in the war in the world for 20 years. I don't know. I mean, there, there's they're likely to do some some oddities with that. But I agree. I, I think if you go into this movie looking for a cohesive story that's going to make sense and people are going to say, oh, the story's so good, I think that's the wrong crowd. I think this is going to be a monsters blowing up things, destroying buildings, um, very similar to the Rampage arcade game, not necessarily the Rampage movie. Um, you know, you know, because nothing nothing says a good idea like bringing a large ape to fight a large lizard in the middle of a city where there's going to be twice as much destruction as there would be otherwise. So, um, you, you know, it's again, I don't think it's meant to be a, it's meant to be a oh, this is amazing. Look at the effects. Look how huge this is. I'm looking forward to it for that reason alone. I, I just wouldn't expect there to be any sort of Oscar worthy uh, uh, story presence during the movie as a whole. I'm so curious how this is going to go over because I looked at it and, and obviously you guys nailed a bunch of stuff. Uh, my guess is that thing that he's blocking the breath with is some kind of Titan bone or something like that. And that would be what they may try to play it off as. But what my first thing was, okay, there's a lot of action in this, which to me was a huge problem with the last film. There was just way too many scenes of Millie Bobby Brown and the human characters doing not much. And, you know, I kept sitting there going, I thought this was a Godzilla movie. When's Godzilla going to come and kick some ass? This is getting really old. And they gave us a little bit at the end, but I felt it wasn't enough to justify those two hours of sitting through. And I'll be honest, I was getting to the point where I was like, I hope Godzilla takes out some of these characters. They're really annoying because... You know, they were taking up screen time and not doing much. And the fact that they're rolling them over into the new film is like, I know you got to have humans there to explain the situation and carry the dialogue, but let's put the focus on the stars of the film. And my other thought was they keep pulling this one must fall thing. So um, I think if they did do something, I, I, I think Kong might be the one to go simply because Godzilla's had more movies Godzilla plays better in the Pacific Rim than Kong does, so obviously it would be in their vested interest to keep Godzilla around, but naturally Kong could fall and come back. It's not the first time. Let's not forget that 1970s remake. There was that really bad Kong Lives sequel that uh, followed <laughs> it up. Yes, that, that you know, terrifying thought there. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, only because, like um, it was mentioned... I feel like they're painting Kong as the good guy in this movie. Yeah, and like, that's why just, I think that what you may see happen is you're right about them teaming up and something takes Kong down. Like he goes, supposedly goes down in a blaze of glory saving the day and then it'll be the is he dead, is he not dead type thing going forward. I think what they might do, and this is just just uh, throwing it out there just because of uh, watching a lot of Godzilla movies in the past, uh, so so I, one thing I picked up in the trailer was uh, there's something that's like making Godzilla behave abnormally. So my guess is that someone somewhere is uh, creating like a Mecha Godzilla or something, um, probably with what was shown in the uh, after credit scene in the last movie. Mm -hmm. And that's probably making him um, hyper violent. And then you know, Mechagodzilla will show up at the end and 
then they'll both team up against him. That's that's my just random like uh, thought of how this is going to go down, just because that's kind of typical for uh, some of these Godzilla movies, and it just seems like they're sort of setting up something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, well, I guess we'll see. I think it's safe to say some kind of post-credit scene will probably be very likely, and there will probably be a big curveball somewhere in the process. So let's talk about the distribution plans for this. As we know, it's been well-documented. They're going to release it in theaters where able, and it will also be on HBO Max for uh, the first month. And uh, we don't need to go into the controversies around this and how Legendary and Warner had to make deals to make this happen because we've discussed all that. Let's look at the practical ramifications. So first off, they moved the film up two months, which was a bit of a surprise because to many people, this would say this is kind of invalidating uh, the box office. Two more months would have given a more chance for more vaccine distribution, would have given a more chance for more theaters to open, which would give them more chance for uh, a wider theatrical release. So let's play this out. Um, and then when you, when you're done making your statement, uh, what, where would you go and see it? I guess we'll go with that. And let's go in reverse order. And we'll start with Michael. What's your take? So, yes, I realize they're go- that, that we've already kind of discussed about the, the theatrical release versus the at-home release. You, you know, in a movie like this, personally, I think this is one you would want to see on an IMAX screen or something of that magnitude. It's not going to translate the same on TV. Now, I understand that what, saying that and whether we have the ability to do that and whether it's safe to do that and whether people are willing to do that are all, you know, topics of discussion. Um, but this one to me is one that I think would would truly benefit from the large screen, uh, you know, because I've seen, you know, obviously I've watched the Godzilla movies in, in theater versus watching it at home and it just doesn't have the same, you know, feeling. It doesn't have the same environmental effects as you know, seeing it in the movies. But again, we know it's going to be free for HBO Max subscribers. Um, that will play part of it. The other part is, you know, where are we going to be when it releases? And it, are we going to be at a point where people are safe or feel safe going to the theater? And I think the answer to that is not quite. Uh, so I think that, um, and of course, we've also we've already kind of discussed the fact that from a financial perspective, this movie has <laughs> a massive budget to it. And they must have paid, you know, significantly to be able to stream this on HBO Max. Um, but I still think they would need to have a, a fairly decent um, release in theaters to make up some of that. Now, one thing that we will likely see, and this is something we haven't, you know, I haven't seen since I was a kid, is re-release in theaters, right? So they release it now, but maybe once things have settled, we start seeing more re-releases of big movies coming back to the back box office once all the everything is kind of settle down and people are kind of going back to the movies as well so so yeah i mean I, I this is one i think i would prefer to see on a screen assuming that there's an opportunity to do that i think it would definitely benefit from an imax type release more so than just even a normal screen but again whether or not we'll be there and whether or not there'll be enough people to, to see that to make it worthwhile i don't know okay and joseph your take well yeah i mean <laughs> As numbers continue to climb and, you know, there's news of shortages, like there's a place up here that, 
had 6,000 people sign up for vaccines, but they only got 100 doses. Mm. I don't know if we're going to be ready for this. I think I think the re-release is probably a, a good plan because I agree, you can't see this. Well, you can, but it's better to see this movie on a large screen with a, a super expensive sound system and great, you know, everything. Personally, though, even if it is in theaters, I not going to go see it in theaters because I have children and I can't watch stuff like that theaters with children. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and that's the, that's some of the things that are just normal normal stuff for most people out there. But, you know, I think that if this comes to theaters, we are going to see people in theaters watching it because so many people want to get back to the normal as long as it's safe. And if they feel safe, it's going to be there. Yeah. Good points. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, definitely the kind of movie I would want to go see in theaters. Again, having been a Godzilla fan pretty much my whole life, uh, you know, there are certain movies where it doesn't really matter to me whether I see it in theaters or not. You know, um, if it's like a drama or something where, you know, you don't really need to see it on the big screen for the, the special effects. But something like this, obviously, you're, uh, the, the main allure of it is the special effects, the action um you know the 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 sounds and everything which is just it's just a superior experience in the theaters but you know i'm kind of with everybody else where it really kind of depends on a lot of factors at the time that this movie comes out you know what are the numbers looking like how inconvenient is it to actually watch the movie you know how strict are you know uh you know that their processes and procedures um when going to see the movie you know uh, eventually you have to kind of weigh those costs and benefits to, to the point where it's like, is it, is it worth it? Am I, or am I willing to just wait? Um, or am I willing to just kind of watch it on, you know, my home, uh, theater setup uh, on a streaming service. And, you know, I'm leaning kind of in that direction at the, at the moment. I don't think, uh, given that they've moved up the, the, uh, the release, I don't think that things are going to be significantly different in March, uh, it's March, right. That they moved it up to, um, mm-hmm. you know, March is really, we're at the end of J- uh, January already. So, um, you know, a couple months. Yeah. You know, things are going to be pretty much the same as it is now. Um, so given that if thing, unless, you know, there's some really good news coming out in the next two months, uh, my guess is that I'm probably going to watch it on streaming service, but you know, if, it, if they do end up putting it back in theaters, when things go, normal and the movie was really good you know i'll obviously go back and go see it in theaters you know i've done that before for other movies so uh, i suppose we'll have to just kind of see how things play out what i find really interesting about this is the larger picture behind it there was numerous reports that the studio was not happy with the film and that extensive reshoots were done with it um if that was the case, then you sit here and you wonder about why are you put, why would you move it up, which would cut into your potential box office. Um, there was a lot of talk in the last week about churn for the streaming services where they're saying that people are signing up for a month, they're binging the shows they want to see, and then they're canceling. And, you know, they're, they're saying that in some cases it can be over 40% of the signups are doing that. They're just like, you know, oh, they've got this, so let's let's uh, tune in. And they, you know, they were talking about how Disney is trying to 
uh, fight that by essentially there with shows like WandaVision and The Mandalorian, where they give you a new episode each week, where they're trying to have something of interest every single week to keep you in there. And, uh, you know, with the news that Christopher Nolan is apparently quite upset with Warner Brothers and does not want to continue his business association with them, uh, largely over the, he feels this whole HBO Max thing, which he called a very, the worst possible platform choice out there, apparently, uh, wasn't happy with Tenet essentially being used as a test case like it was. Um, it, it, it makes you wonder, like, for example, you have the weekend box office, two weeks in a row, Liam Neeson's The Marksman's the number one film. Well, it made $2 million last weekend. Uh, Crude's New Age, 1.8 million. Monster Hunter, dr tanking like crazy, 830,000. These, uh, while obviously I expect Godzilla versus Kong to have much greater appeal, you're running into problems because you you sit here and you look at California. They can't even open up in-room dining and um, hotel stays for people outside of the 250-mile radius right now they are certainly not going to have movies open in the la area um so there's a huge chunk of your audience you have new york having issues you have um you know michael you've said when you go to the movies there's maybe three to four people in there and while a film like this will draw people out there is going to be the uncertainty and you know i sit there and i look at it through my situation okay so by then, I'll have had both the doses. I've gone through the two-week time frame. If they have a press screening at IMAX or something like that, where it is press only, limited crowd, staggered seating, masks required, okay, sure, yeah, why not? I'll go and see it in the theater. But then you run into the problem of, well, if my wife hasn't had her doses yet, do I need to go and do that? And if so, do I want to run the risk of getting this and bringing something home? And, you know, this is all going to play into the 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 decision at the same time i would much rather see this in the theater than sit there and stream it on um you know television no matter how good the tv is no matter how good the sound system is the theatrical experience is going to be better and this swings into the next topic uh where we had essentially a week full of musical chairs where a lot of movies were delayed. We saw Quiet Place 2 get pushed back. Kingsman got pushed back. Um, Bob's Burger got dropped entirely off the schedule. We heard Black Widow's being moved back. Morbius got pushed back. Bond, Uncharted, and Ghostbusters got pushed back. These are all from different studios, so it's not like one studio decided to do this. And then word came out that with um, CBS All Access becoming Paramount Plus, uh, Top Gun Maverick was offered uh, to be purchased by Apple and Netflix, and they were both refused, even though Paramount has a good working relationship with Netflix, such as selling them the last Cloverfield film, so on and so forth. So again, we'll start with uh, Justin. What do you make of all this? Yeah, uh, I think it's just totally expected with um, what's going on. I mean, we've covered uh, similar stories in the past where, um, you know, just because the of the pandemic, um, a lot of these studios just keep pushing their movies back. And it just it makes sense just because um, it we're still just pretty far away from people going back to, to theaters in a normal rate. Um, 
you know, obviously it's great that we have a vaccine and that's being rolled out, but it's probably going to be several months, uh, many, many months before that actually makes like a very significant effect on on uh, the rate of, of infection, which is ultimately what drives whether people can go to the theaters uh, at normal rates or not. And, you know, even when things become normal, people are probably still going to be somewhat apprehensive to going back to theaters. Um, so we're pretty far away. And then, the, you know, releasing a movie uh, to bad box office numbers is just, it's just disastrous. Um, you know, they, they spend a lot of money making these movies and, they really only have the one shot to uh, to recoup that back, and it's really kind of contingent on on momentum of marketing. So, um, you know, they're in kind of a tough situation, and you know, like we brought up before too, uh, they have a lot of movies like that they're currently working on that were supposed to release this year. So now they have a huge backlog of movies that were supposed to release last year, and movies that are supposed to release this year, and it's really kind of uh, kind of an unprecedented thing. I don't think we've ever seen in our, in our lifetimes where, um, you know, I, I can't imagine being at one of these studios and trying to decide like when to release all these movies. Uh, they just have such a glut of, of, uh, films to release and how do you do that? Um, and, and stay profitable. It, you know, my guess is that there's going to be when things do open up and they're allowed to release movies again, um, under like pretty normal circumstances, we're going to have some pretty competitive weekends with a lot of releases, um, which, you know, will be interesting because uh, it's going to be pretty cutthroat as to who who comes out on top on a particular weekend. That's just my guess. But, you know, it makes sense. I think we're going to continue seeing this until uh, we have a more clear picture as to when people can return to theaters at a normal rate. Yeah, definitely. Joseph, your take, please. See, I think you hit on it earlier, although in much in a different way. Um, you you mentioned how like HBO has been, you know, trying or Disney Plus even they've been trying to uh, you know entice viewers to come in with releasing the weekly episodes and everything. But that's nothing new. I mean, we've seen that now with a few different streaming services. I think that the the approach that HBO is taking to this, and maybe people have seen this and. I just haven't heard it mentioned here today, but I think their approach to releasing several movies over the next year is their way to make up for losses that they're not going to be able to, or, you know, income they're not going to be able to accrue this year. So you sign up for your free trial, 30 days and you're done. If they release one movie, Wonder Woman, that's it. They don't get any retention, but as they're releasing more and more during the year, they'll get people hopefully staying on and paying that subscription fee and, and they'll, be able to make some money in that sense. Now, I think they have a couple of bad things going for them on that one. Wonder Woman 84 was a pile. <laughs> uh, not very well met. And two, it's they they I think they discount how easy it is to make a new email address and sign up for another month for free stuff and how many people will actually do that. But it, it's their way of trying to recoup because I have I almost guarantee at least the movies that did well on HBO Max are going to have a theater re-release and they're going to, we're going to see the people in theaters watching that. And I think that adds an even 
bigger complexity or more interesting aspect to the competitive weekends that were mentioned. You know, not only are we going to have these new releases, but people are going to be wanting to see some of the old stuff in theaters because either they waited or they want to see it on that big screen. That's a good point. And uh, Michael, your take, please. Well, yeah, I know. I 100% agree. I mean, I, I think... I think there's there's always going to be that balance, at least in the short term, and maybe we're going to be seeing this um, longer. Is how do people? How do people? What is it? How does this change the general viewership of people in a general sense? Right. Once the pandemic is behind us, once everybody's kind of back to feeling quote unquote normal, um, how much damage has already been done to the theatrical experience? Maybe none. I mean, maybe at this point. Uh, this point next year, when if hopefully things are back to a somewhat normal sense of, um, you know, people are going to want to get out. They're not going to want to be watching. Maybe they're sick of streaming stuff on their TV as they've been doing for the past year. Maybe the movie theaters are going to see a renaissance and they're going to have people going out and, and doing the theater experience because they just don't want to do the streaming thing anymore. They're sick of it. They're sick of staying at home. They want to get out. I, I mean, I think that's the best case scenario for theater owners and a lot of these movie um companies is i think their their hope is that um or at least in some cases their only way to survive is that by the time the pandemic is kind of settled down and people are kind of getting out more often that there's going to be this big push to get out and do things right we've, we've all kind of taken that for granted over the years and and i mean there's been doom and gloom from a theater perspective for years right this isn't anything new i mean obviously it's a lot more valid in our face now because of the fact that people simply just can't go or are too afraid to go and, and they just simply aren't able to fill the theaters. So obviously there is that push now that we are seeing, you know, these things, you know, happen. But, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I think from a, from a streaming perspective, uh, you're always going to have people who are going to bank the system. And that, again, isn't anything new. They used to do that for folks with, you know, HBO. They'd sign up for HBO for a month because, you know, some – the show was coming out or, or two months and then they'd cancel even before streaming. That was a thing, uh, you know, but I think, I do think that it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes. Right. I mean, is the streaming thing going to be something that people are going to want to continue to do just not wanting to go to theaters anymore? Or are we going to see something where, you know, we know what it's like to be cooped up inside and we kind of want to get back to an experience. And maybe that's one of the more experience, the, the easier experiences, the, the less expensive experiences outside of taking, you know, huge vacations, cruises, that kind of thing, where people can kind of start feeling normal again. And maybe that, that's where we see some of that grow. Uh, but again, how, how do they survive till then? And, and what is it? And are people going to go with convenience over cost and, and prefer to stay at home? I think that's really going to be interesting to see over the next couple of months. Well, and because, here's another interesting, like, take to tack on to that. Let's say streaming becomes the thing and the movie theaters experience doesn't die but it just becomes less and less the thing to do um how do these companies change to make up for the lost income because they're not going to be making the same amount of income through streaming that they would through box office so what do they change and, and how is that going to affect our movie going experience at that point yeah and what's really frustrating to me is that i see all these people coming on social media, you know, the so-called experts with what's it matter? Just put these films out on streaming. 
movie theaters are dead, streaming is the wave of the future. Well, that's a load of nonsense. That's been well proven that you cannot make the kind of money streaming that you can for a um, that you can in a wide theatrical release. Now, yes, in the current situation, streaming is the option. Streaming is up. There has been a, an increase in the number of people, uh, you know, with subscription services, so on and so forth. But again, all these business models, when they agree to make these films, are based on theatrical audiences. And, you know, people keep coming back to James Bond. James Bond, why doesn't it do this? And, you know, there there's some serious trouble with this. Like, for example, they are uh, looking at delays like have not been heard of. People forget that after Timothy Dalton's uh second outing as James Bond, there was a large gap before Pierce Brosnan appeared in Goldeneye. Part of that was due to some litigation that was going on, and the run was so long, it got to the point where Timothy Dalton said, uh, you know what, I just can't wait anymore, I'm moving on. Open up the door for uh, Brosnan to come in. And what they're saying is right now, it was originally going to come out in April, and let's not forget, this was originally coming out last year. And then it, uh, you know, it was going to come out in April of 2020, was pushed to November. Then it was pushed to April of this year. Now it's pushed back to October 8th of 2021, which is going to put it one week after Dune hit cinema and HBO Max. And all these people are, oh, just put it out in this, do this. Well, they don't understand the, the numbers behind it. The film is now looking at a six and a, uh, coming up on the six and a half year gap that was between License to Kill and Goldeneye. So many people I've talked to have said, yeah, they were offered lots of money from Netflix and other companies to stream it. They're not doing it because they've invested over $200 million in the film alone. Then tack on to it production values, tack on to it these other things. They're looking at a situation where they're going to have to make somewhere between 500 and 600 million dollars to break even and get into the profitability part of the film because for don't forget when it was coming out in April of 2020 a lot of production a lot of the advertisement had already gone into place so and they not only have to pay for that they're going to have to pay for the new wave of it when it is able to come out and everybody I've talked to who is related to the industry has said there is no feasible way to put this out on streaming on video on demand on pay-per-view call it what you will and make up that kind of money short of some studio like netflix or someone coming in and saying here's 600 million dollars which isn't going to happen because then it's only going to be well we only get it for a year well no we want it in you know going forward forever it doesn't work. And there are certain films that just cannot be done. This is not like, for example, let's take a look at one of the other films that was delayed, and it was A Quiet Place 2. Now, they've moved it. Um, you know, bit of side note, Michael, you'll probably remember this. We actually had a screening already set up for it. They had the screening invite and everything set. And then about oh, yeah. a week, yeah, about a week and a half before the screening, 
they said, hey, folk, the lockdown started and they said, hey, guys, uh, we're not going to be able to go ahead with this. Sit tight. We'll let you know when we can resume the screenings while we're still waiting. Now, the original Quiet Place was done on a very modest budget, which made it a very huge hit for the studio. Um, While the sequel does have a bigger budget. It is not a $100 million budget by any stretch of the imagination. I understand it's somewhere in the, I believe, $20 million range, somewhere around there. So you look at that and say, okay, so if you make $60 million, $70 million worldwide, you made a profit. This, again, comes back to the same situation. Are they going to save it for CB, uh, Paramount Plus and put it on that? Maybe. But, again this is one where your best box office is to put it in the theater. I look at this number and say September 17th makes a lot of sense to me. Sure, this is the fourth time they've changed the date, but September 17th, you know, we should be able to hopefully put 150 people uh, in a cinema. It's getting near the time of year when people start to think about Halloween and Traditionally, the big boys have already had their run in the theater for the summer. Kind of film that people might be willing to go back and see. And again, you have a lower risk. And so it's interesting, but the problem is it puts it right up against the Death on the Nile remake and the Boss Baby sequel. So, you know, you expect some musical chairs to happen. As we mentioned, there was a lot of stuff moving around. Um, You've got... The Uncharted movie's been pushed back. The Ghostbusters movie's been pushed back. Uh, And and I'm going to throw this curve. Just because a movie's been pushed back doesn't mean it can't be pushed up. Godzilla vs. Kong is his prime example. Just imagine, say, let's bring out the crystal ball and say we're at October, uh, November of this year. And the vaccines are going out. They're effective. Cases have dropped. Movie theaters are open. People are jumping back into the theaters. As you pointed out, there is going to be a demand for product. I could see a studio basically saying, you know what? Uh, Maybe March of 2022 is too late. Let's go ahead and just throw our movie out right now. And we'll see what happens. And then we end up with a flood of movies, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So let's talk a something positive before we close out the show this week. And uh, at first the news sounded negative, but then when you read between the lines, it is pretty interesting. Alan Tudek had come out and said that uh, he will not be appearing as K2SO in the upcoming season of Cassian Andor, which is coming, or Andor as it's called, coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, But he expects to show up in the following season. Now, this raised some eyebrows, A, that he was absent, and B, there is a second season, since most people had assumed this was going to be a limited-run series. So, Michael, what do you make of this? Uh, To me, that sounds like we're not going to get to see KTSO's appearance with Cassian until the second season. I mean, I think it's... I think it's great that they're already banking on the second season. I think what they're seeing is um, with the Mandalorian in particular, there's still, if you do the star Wars stories, right. And you don't push things out and you're, and you're actually talking, you know, telling a new story and not trying to rehash, you know, existing stories that there's, there's 
you know, an interest in that, and it, it is, and a successful one at that. And and to me, that tells me that uh, maybe they were planning initially to do a KTSO introduction in the first season, and maybe they're going to focus more on Cassian and again how he gets about you know reprogramming KTSO and and that sort of thing. So there might be some cameos there. Um, but I think it sounds like we're going to see more of his origin story fleshed out before they start introducing characters that were seen uh, in Rogue Squad, uh, um, in Rogue Squadron. So, or, or Rogue One, sorry. So when, uh, so I, I think that is good news. I think it, that's really less of a, a surprise and more of a, a hint as to what's to come. Maybe to build some excitement and just generally, um, I think good news overall for the franchise. And uh, Joseph, your take. Yeah, I you know, I agree. I think that I, I also wonder whether or not K2SO being in the first season was planned or not. I mean, you really think about it. Alan Tudyk is a busy guy. I mean, he he has seven upcoming projects. He's still involved in several that are going on right now. Um, and so I kind of wonder if if they may have changed the story just to accommodate his schedule and being able to do this um, because he does a lot of voices and he can work from home. So I don't think his, his plate is emptied any because of all of this, but I, I do agree. Like with the whole expansion of the limited series to now we're getting a second season. I think that the slow approach is really working for them. And it surprises me that it took so long to bring star Wars to this medium, but I don't think it would have worked if we had brought it sooner. It's, it's a weird catch-22 because we have the technology, we have the, the writers today, we have everything that's you know making this interesting. So if we had gotten this 20 years ago, I don't think it would have had as great of an impact. And I also think that we're going to see more of this. Oh, yeah, we have a limited-run series coming out, and then all of a sudden we're seeing season two and season three for those limited-run series because, oh, my God, they're making us money. <laughs> And, you know, if the fans want it and it's good quality content, bring it on. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Justin, your take. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that's really much of a concern that he's not in the first season. You know, I, I think as long as, like, it's good storytelling, um, you know, could only look at Mandalorian to see that, uh, you know, you don't really have to have um, everything in your first season. I mean, Mandalorian kind of built up to showing, uh, you know, don't want to get into too much spoilers, but you know, there's some characters that, that show up in Mandalorian season two, uh, that were kind of big, 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 uh, star Wars characters, um, that, uh, you know, obviously weren't in the first season. So my guess is that they, as long as they have sort of a plot laid out and a plan, um, for what they're doing, you know, my guess is that they're going to build up towards like a second season with more characters that are recognizable. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. See, I, I to build on that, I really like that shows are taking their time these days to to give you the story rather than rush it out. One of the big things that I always like whenever I've started a new series and like during that first or second season, they push out these storylines that you're like, wow, they really should have waited on that. But I haven't had that experience with with the Mandalorian and especially not with the antagonizingly slow pace of WandaVision right now. But uh, I think that it's it's because they're discovering this medium again in TV and the streaming services and throwing money into it. uh, We're definitely going to see 
a lot more of the slow storytelling, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, and I, the thing, too, that uh, Tudyk does is that he also takes part in the motion capture for K2SO, and he kind of made a joke about not having to be on stilts and stuff, gives him a little more time. But it it could be just a curveball to uh, throw people off. Um, it, to me, it was a little surprising that it came out when it did, but it's also a great way to get people talking about the show that is in pre-production right now. And it should be interesting to see what they do going forward because, you know, people are so hungry for entertainment news right now that anything that comes on it. And like you had mentioned, one of the funny things is people forget that after the prequels, Lucas had come out and said there, there will be no more theatrical films. The future of this is on the uh, small screen. And there was the live-action Star Wars television series that was all planned out. There's uh, reports that they already have five seasons worth of scripts sitting in the vault. And the biggest problem was they could not find a way to make it work financially because, uh, A, they had to work with a network, and, B, the desire was not to tone down the look and scale of the Star Wars universe and it was coming in at $10 million an episode, which just wasn't feasible for the networks. Well, things changed. Then you had Game of Thrones come out, yes, on a, on a uh, cable service, but all of a sudden mega-budgeted shows became possible. And then with the advent of Disney+, Plus, it became a no-brainer. You own it outright. You don't have to share merchandise and DVDs and all of that fun stuff with someone else. You own it outright. So you can make the budget whatever works for you. So really interesting stuff. Last thing I wanted to mention before we uh, close is that if you do have a PlayStation 5, the Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village does have a PS5 demo available right now. This uh, came out right after some new looks at the game as well as a discussion about the multiplayer mode. So keep that in mind. And that is going to do it for us this week, folks. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you have uh, anything ahead of you in the week coming up, please be safe about it. Enjoy yourself, and we look forward to talking to you next week.